Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts and I believe that we all have a purpose and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. So what did I do last week? I, I, I was on... Steph's, you saw that, did you? Yeah, I, I won was... that. I won... <laughs> did you win? I, I, a joint winner, yes, a joint winner. 29, yeah. I saw you got 29 out of 30. That's that, it's that Steph, she was ferocious right. with they her scoring. I said 37. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so from the stuff we were talking about, there's a lot seems much clearer now mm. um, than, than it was. Yeah. Um, about how we have been pushed into going for net zero um, by um, partly, partly by Russian influences. Mm. And it's very significant. And I don't think it is in any way irrefutable. I think there's a, a heck of a lot of truth in it. To what extent, we don't know. But there's a heck of a lot of truth in it. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's a, a real game changer. Anyway, ask me some questions. So, so well, just 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 on that then. So, so what 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 has come out since this war started that you've seen that's 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 led you to think that? Well, it does seem there's a a, a colleague of mine who's in the House of Lords, Matt Ridley, um, who's written some very good books on on this, and. Um, He's he said all along that he believes that, that Russian influences are affecting Greenpeace, Friends of the Earth, Extinction Rebellion, and people like this, who are really under a banner of out to do good, are actually seeming to do harm. And basically they're anti-capitalist, and that's it, the essence of the thing. And um, now the, the, I think the, the, the truth is coming home to roost. I think it's so. So what have we got to do with our energy? Well, there's no question we should not have stopped drilling for gas and oil in the North Sea. Why did we stop when there's plenty of reserves there? It's not the easiest oil and gas to get in the world because the North Sea is very, but it costs a lot of money to, to do it. But once you do it, um, you, you, you've got the benefits. The Greens idea is that basically we should take nothing from the earth is ludicrous because man lives on the earth and for the earth and with the earth and and we can't make a clay brick unless we take stuff from the earth um, and of course it's it's a natural resource and it's the only resource we've got so we should use it and use it wisely and sensibly of course but we should use it so that's the essence and there's no question that whereas coal and oil to that extent are quite rare when you look at the whole strata. Gas is ubiquitous, it's everywhere. And it's the cleanest fuel to burn. It does really produce carbon dioxide because it's basically uh, pure carbon, uh, you know, a pure hydrocarbon. So it's the cleanest thing. There's no question that in our neck of the woods in Great Britain, where we do need some heat because we're not the warmest country in the world, <laughs> we have to have gas. There's no question about it. 
And the alternatives like hydrogen are well down the road. Well down the road. It, there's, there's, it, I personally am very worried about hydrogen. Remember, the Hindenburg was a hydrogen balloon, mm. right? And I fired hydrogen balloons in my musicals and set fire to them. The bang is enormous. Um, the, 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 its lethal elements, hydrogen, are incredibly worrying to be using on such a huge scale because accidents will happen. So I'm very, I'm, I'm very resident about that. It may be that we do have the technology that can control it, but I don't think it's now. I think it might be in the future. Mm. So gas is essential. So we should never have stopped. And neither should we have stopped fracking. Now, the, the story was that the, the, the fracking wells were to be filled with concrete yesterday. And I think that's been stopped. I hope it's been stopped. Because um, uh, the USA has over a 1,000 uh, uh, fracking wells. The integrity is incredible. All those things about it polluting uh, groundwater are fictitious because we've been, when we make a well, it has to have integrity. The tube has to have integrity. So to suggest that they may not have integrity, so the stuff coming up well, it may leak into the groundwater, is preposterous because we've been built, drilling wells for a long, long time mm. and they have 100% integrity. So the... Um... It, doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and so we've got to realise this. And we've got to use the facilities we need. We now realise that through galloping inflation, we're all going to be far, far poorer mm. um, very soon unless we get our act together, unless we make the right decisions. And the right decisions are not based on saving the planet, per se, but saving ourselves. And that's, that's the essential thing. Our effect on the planet is terrible when you talk about plastics and when you talk about pollution. Our effects on the planet when you talk about climate are still minimal. We don't, we really don't understand it enough and we don't teach it enough. But 70% of the Earth's surface is water. Only 30% is land, and all the, all the cities, the major cities and their conurbations um, in the world could fit into Spain. That's a fact. So the pollution they're producing is terrible and wrong, and we should look continuously how to lessen that. But when you look at it against the size of the world, Spain is a couple of times bigger than us, mm. and it's minuscule. Mm. We are 1% of the world's population. You could say we're 2% of the world's pollution because we, we, we're a very industrial um, outfit. But what we do in terms of saving is negligible, and it shouldn't be us leading it. It should be the USA and China and India if they lead it. But they really don't see any great danger. And I think I'm with them in the short term. In the long term, no, I think we've got to eventually clean up our act. But I think we've also got to live to a standard that makes everybody reasonably happy. And those are the decisions we've got to make today for the sake of all our population. In the UK, that does mean fracking. It does mean drilling for gas again and oil. It does mean being more self-sufficient, and it does mean 
that we have to stop pouring money into renewables because the solar panels don't work at night and the wind farms don't aren't necessary aren't any use at night because we cannot store the electricity and so it creates a terrible imbalance now i worked for seven years for national grid and the engineers used to say to me um this was what 98 99 we cannot make the figures work forever covering the cost of linking a wind farm to the grid alone. We cannot make that financially work. So it's all got to be subsidized and it's made us poorer through these vast subsidies. And it's irrational to do that. And I've said from the start that wind farms will eventually be seen as, a sen as sentinels to folly. And I really believe that's the case. I think we will use them and I think they're useful on occasion. For instance, if it's windy at night, then you can use them to pump water up the mountain at Dunorwegian, North Wales. And then, as we all do, if we don't use that electricity, we use uh, electricity from, from the grid, wherever it comes from. <clears throat> and every morning, we let that water go and that water powers Manchester or Wales till lunchtime. Mm. Now, that is hydraulic power. That is water power. That is the biggest producer of power in the world still today, but it's no good in Great Britain. A bit in Scotland, a bit more in Scotland than we have in, in Wales, yeah. none in England. So we can't go that on that route. So we've got to understand that we have to have efficiencies for the sake of the status quo of our lives continuing as they are. Mm. Improving the world, if you want to talk about nuclear, right, so another thing you want to talk about was nuclear and nuclear waste. First of all, nuclear waste is terribly overstated in its dangers. Even the high-level waste is stored in oil drums on the surface of the earth. How dangerous can it be if that is allowed? How dangerous can it really be? The Greens have stopped us putting us down uh, putting it in, in the ground, as the Finns are doing, and, and they're doing in Scandinavia, because they say, what happens if somebody looks at what's there later on in the year, and uh, later on in time, and don't know what's, what it is and release it again? Explaining radiation is very good. I don't know whether I've said this, but since Sellafield's life, we know, I think I may have done this, we may have done this, since Sellafield's life, we have known the outflows from Sellafield that have contained levels of radiation, and we know the levels of radiation all the way through its years. And if you trace all the way around the coast of Scotland, all the way down the east coast of England, all the way down the North Sea on both coasts, and you know this um, life story of Sellafield, and you get a core and put it in the sand on any beach by absorbing, uh, by uh, analyzing that core, you can tell how the sand has moved over the last 50, 60 years, because we know of the radiation that come from Sellafield. But none of that radiation is dangerous to the smallest sea creature. None of it. It is just detectable. And if you want to <clears throat> stop radiation altogether, you could build, your, build yourself a lead igloo. 
and climb in. And then with your Geiger counter or with your counter, you can find you've still got 12% of the radiation you're receiving still coming, and that's coming from your own gut. Mm-hmm. Right? Cut the gut out, and you are instantly dead. <laughs> yeah. We are radioactive creatures. Mm. You know, so you've got to understand radiation. Now, if you want to understand radiation and you want to talk to somebody about radiation, Wade, W A D E, Allison, at, <coughs> he's at Oxford. Whether he's retired, I don't know. He's still very active. <clears throat> but Wade Allison is the guru. And he'll give you any details you like. And I get my details from him. Hmm. And I need them. But it's essential. And it's uh, nuclear power is a wonderful servant. It's a tremendous servant. And there is no shortage of nuclear fuel. <clears throat> but we, in Great Britain, had a processing plant. And we were earning money from everyone, the Japanese, all kinds of people who sent their stuff, and we reprocessed it and made a lot of money. It's been closed down by green pressures. And it's it's worth billions a year, and it's closed down. But somebody has to do that. And we've got to control these things. So we cannot have reactionary people forcing governments into decisions that are wrong for the whole populace. Mm. And that's why I... I really cannot in any way support any of the green uh, groups because of their imbalance, mm. of their overall irrationality. Because mm. they may have good goals, yeah. but overall, it's irrational. Mm. I mean, it sounds sounds like from what you're saying is that is that is that you're not you're not against decarbonisation, and you've kind of been put no, into not. this box about being no, against carbon. So you're not against decarbonisation. But you, but you you just think that we're going about it the wrong way, and and we can't do without it. We cannot do without it. We cannot do without burning, uh, burning uh, uh, fossil fuels in some form or another. We we really can't. Um, and you've got a, a, a flourishing population. Our lifestyle is really very commendable. And as I say again in my lectures, I've studied my life over eight decades, and over it every. If you take every 10th year, take any section you like, the improvement is commendable all the way through. There are, there are downsides, there are minuses, <clears throat> but overall, we are, we, are, we are very, very good at progressing, and our lives are much better than our grandparents were by a mile. Mm. <clears throat> and that will continue, but we've got to make the decisions that allow that continue and allow that growth. Yeah. Because once we stop it, if you want us to go back and live in the trees, well, now I agree with them. There aren't enough trees. <laughs> yeah. 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 And we and we we do need more trees, don't we? And, I mean, and, yes, and, and by all means, you know. But uh, so so I'm definitely with my with the trees in my garden. I'm definitely carbon neutral because mm. I've got a good good number of trees. And uh, the garden is sweeping up cones now, and I get the, I guess there's two bin bags full of pine cones mm-hmm. um, today. You know, um, so yeah. Anyway, there you are. So, um, so you're you're saying we we do need some some gas in our energy mix, um, and and nuclear and and nuclear. And, and nuclear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the fracking thing's interesting because you mentioned a sort of a scrubbing system. That's right. I I I was was given the job of writing a lecture 
the Verena Holmes lecture under the auspices of the um, um, uh, oh god um, engineers the engineering I, the IE Institute of Electrical Engineers yeah. and um, and it was the Verena Holmes lecture they paid for it um, and I produced the lecture had three students with me one was a roadie and two actually with me on the presentation and once i got it going we did it three times and once we got it going i put the three students in it and they toured universities throughout great britain over a period of six months <clears throat> over the winter and um, and it was this scrubbing system which would remove reduce remove the co2 from the outflow from coal power power stations and what happened the industry said Oh, you can't do that because it would put 10% on the price of electricity. Well, you compare 10% of the price of electricity then and the price of electricity now, mm. and you'd wish, wish you'd damn well done it. Yeah. And we could have done it. So you see, there's this toing and froing, and there's a great toing and froing from a whole lot of people who don't believe in the rule of law, who don't believe in the system we use, they don't believe in our representative system with all its faults. A lot of us agree a lot, a lot of the time with that, and the decisions are made by politicians and on the false paths they take and then the, the errors. But it is the only system, hmm. unless you want to talk about the system in Russia. And I read today in the paper that in droves, learned people, middle class business people in Russia are leaving in droves almost as many as the people fleeing Ukraine. They realize if you want to have a, a career that matters, if you're a thinking man or woman and you want to improve things and you've studied at university, you become qualified, it's no good staying in Russia. Mm. It's no good. Mm. This dogmatic government style will either give you a tick or a cross, mm. and there's no two ways about it outside the world, then um, good ideas come through. And people who produce good ideas and people work hard, they come through and they benefit from this and it all moves forward. That's the capitalist system. Yeah. And that's why they're all leaving Russia in droves. Mm. They are. Mm. Um, and I think I think one good thing is like the, the, the overseas support from Russia for our green groups. However, whatever percentage it is, of, of their, I think that may well stop pretty soon. Yeah, um, and we might have a more rational approach. Mm. Yeah. So, so uh, as as the writer of the musical Energy Champions, yeah. Um, <clears throat> what 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 would you do then uh, with our energy mix? Because a lot of what you've talked about is sort of macro kind of power generation, but there's a lot of localized. <clears throat> Absolutely, yeah, so there's a lot. There's a, a lot of work in in biodigestion, in in um, getting energy from from waste, from from cattle waste, and and from farming waste, and and that's all very valid. It's all very valid. So I I advocated near me, opposite Terminal Five, um, at Heathrow, right across the motorway, you will see a big building there with a tall tower with red light on the top and lovely spirals around the tower. What are those spirals for? To make it look pretty. Hmm. Now that was opened by uh, 
Duke of Edinburgh, and I was there that day. Um, and he said, this is an energy from waste plant. He said, and you can tell I'm in favor of these. I can see this one from my bloody bedroom window <laughs> in Windsor Castle, which he could. Yeah. And, and now that was nearly squashed by Greenpeace and Friends of the Earth. And I got a program on television. Uh, I got a half hour program on television. How the hell I got it? What I don't know how, but I got it and they did it. And I turned it round and, the, and they got it. And I've said, because of the statistics I had, one in every county would reduce our landfill requirements by 25%. One in every county, just one in every county hmm. would reduce our... Now, that's a huge saving of land because the land we, we take up from, from requirements of landfill is enormous. Yeah. We'll get it very good now at regenerating it, you know, putting golf courses on, on the stuff and things like that. Mm -hmm. But it really is a long, long time before it becomes farmland or even building land. Um, so, and our small country, we can't afford it. Mm -hmm. But it's sensible to have one in every county, which is why it was opposed by the Greens. Why it was opposed by Greenpeace and Family Earth. Because it's a sensible solution. <laughs> and once again, the outflow systems they have are very stringent and very good and very strong. Um, you can detect all kinds of things from it. If you go downwind of a, of, of a, uh, a generator, you can pick up all kinds of things because you can detect very small amounts of, of radiation and of pollutants. But it doesn't mean they're at a dangerous level. They're not, <clears throat> and it's a great saving. Mm. It's a great saving, and and it's a, it's essential. And the technology improves and improves and improves. Mm. So that plant <clears throat> and has the whole of Windsor and half of Slough, <clears throat> and that's really very very good. And now they've got one not as big in Oxfordshire, and they've got them in Gloucestershire, and they've got and one of the very biggest in Manchester, which is saving an incredible amount. Because Lancashire, or used to be Lancashire, and Greater Manchester is very densely populated. And you haven't got the land to, to, to landfill. So it's essential. So once again, a sen sensible answer, beautifully controlled by the science and technology, and yet rejected by the Greens. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense, that. I mean, biodigestion is... Uh... It's, it's brilliant. I mean, I've been to quite a few of these localised plants, both for agricultural uh, purposes, where they kind of, you know, reuse the, um, you know, the, the, the farm the farm waste and, and then combine it with food waste and then they generate enough energy to to keep the uh to keep keep the farming going and i know there's a whole debate about farming and the impact that has on the environment as well but um but i do think that well, um, well once again mm. once again the impact the greens have on farming is to destroy it the aim is to destroy it so they want you to turn do you know why there aren't trees on the moorland not because we cut the trees down. Only pine will grow up there. No broadleaf trees will grow up there because there's not the CO2. CO2, once again, half as heavy as air, right? So as soon as it reaches the ambient temperature, it falls. I remember greens talking about green sludge in ponds on the top of the moors and saying, ah, that's because of climate change and, and global warming. 
tufts of grass on a moorland, if you kick a tuft of grass on a moorland, you'll break your ankle before you'll <laughs> knock the tufts of grass out of the ground. Yeah. It is very hardy because it absorbs CO2 very slowly and that's its food. So it can rely on minimal amounts over the year because it doesn't get up there. And that, so those places are only fit for sheep. It's the only thing you can do with them. Putting trees on them is not going to, it's not going to help at all. And it's, it's learned to be fir trees. What are you going to do those, with those? Burn them? <laughs> well, it's more polluting. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the uh, Drax is more polluting from the wood chip because the wood chip. Now, how is it uh, the politician, Mr. Hume, who was sent to jail for messing about with his license and <laughs> transport, right? Hoon was thrown out of Parliament, but he is now a major director for the importers of wood chip. Right? And the wood chip costs three times as much as coal to buy because it's a very intense thing. You cut the trees down, you chip them up, you pack it, you ship it across the world and bring it back. The Canadians have stopped doing it. The Canadians said, no, we produce as much pulp as is needed by most of the world for the pulp industry, for paper. Yep. And we're proud of that. And we actually plant more trees than we cut down. And it's a sustainable business. We won't do wood chip because it'll unbalance our business. So we won't do it. So they stopped doing it. The Americans have said, oh, you can always find states who don't care. And you will find states who don't care. And they'll sell you wood chip. So that's what happens. So they sell the wood chip. And it comes to us. But it costs three times as much as coal. But when it burns, it's got water in it, which means it only produces a, a, a percentage of the electricity, which means that it's actually five times more expensive than coal when you produce electricity from wood chip. And who's paying for that? You and I. Mm. We are. Mm. Right? With mm. the cost. So mm. Drax is now less efficient. The only thing it is, it's less radioactive. Because when it burnt coal, coal has got, is radioactive. But it's only trace radioactive. It's no damage to anything. But you can detect it. So east of Drax, there is a footprint that is radioactive. And it's less now because they are burning less coal. But they haven't got rid of coal. And they ha are going to bring coal back at Drax, you know. And they're talking about um, that being a gas centre. They're even talking about it possibly being a nuclear centre. When these things were built in the 20s and 30s and after the war, these major power centers at Drax, at Ferrybridge, were wonderful and produced a national grid that is the, the celebration for around the world for its efficiency to produce our electricity. You damage that and you destroy all our livelihood. So if anybody wants to bring down society, one way is to do that. It's to damage the national grid, damage the way it works. Mm. And frankly, a lot of it's happening. Mm. So um on a uh, on a on a longer term basis they're looking at hydrogen and and you're right the the ex, the, the expense of, of all of that is is huge and the tr the trials they're running now are not going to report until 2026 or something like that. That's when we're going to find out yeah. about about that. I was told hydrogen if you had hydrogen in a room and you let it go, it would disappear through the ceiling. It's so small. If you remember last time you were swimming underwater and you breathe out bubbles, the bubbles go up pretty fast. 
hydrogen bubbles go up through the air 20 times as fast as those bubbles because it's so much lighter than the rest of the air. When you get a bang from a balloon, it's because the rest of the air compared to the hydrogen is so heavy that when you, when you the bang is the, just a clap mm. of the atmosphere coming in and, and, and that is the bang. But the, um, it's so flammable, it's so, and it's very quickly flammable, that it's, it's not, not an easy thing to handle. So if you want to get a flask of hydrogen from your gas supplier, British Oxygen will do it, they say, have you got an open truck? And you say, why? They say, you're not allowed to carry this in a closed truck. Well, I had a Luton van, and when we did Energy Champions, we had hydrogen balloons, and I didn't have an open truck. So I said, yes, it's outside. Oh, good, that's okay then. And they gave me the hydrogen, <laughs> never looking at my truck, right. even though they could see my Luton van through the window. So I, I, I took it in the Luton van. We never had an accident. But that's how worried they are about, about hydrogen. And we're talking about putting it in every home. Um, it's It's very volatile and mm. it's, it's very worrying so uh, the, the the alternative sort of local uh, sort of heat, heat source is uh, is is heat pumps and uh, and so so heat pumps on a localized basis and solar panels on a localized basis i.e. just for that home to make that home self sufficient ground, ground source pumps are expensive to put in but efficient mm. there's a lot of heat down there um, and if you can tap it then it's fine uh, the air-based ones don't really work under about five degrees centigrade. They don't. They're, they're, they're not efficient. They will work. They will give you some heat, but but they're not efficient. So they're very expensive. Also, they're very noisy. I've had neighbours have fitted one, you know, and they said it's fine. But we've got used to sleeping through the noise. Really, mm-hmm. we've got used to sleeping through the... <laughs> all night. Well. <laughs> Are you happy with that? You know, because I don't think I would be. I mean, the technology's improved improved quite. I don't know how old that that heat pump is, but the technology's yeah. improved improved quite a lot. And, is that the uh, business you're in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. we do underfloor heating and, and renewables, and uh, and so so yes, yeah, so the the actual um, the heat pump technology. I mean, the heat pumps like anything. There's good and there's bad, right? Uh, but 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 the. But the the good the good quality and and the technology's improving. They're doing stuff with the fans to make them uh, quieter. With the blades on the fans to make them quieter, and also a lot of the time when when your heat pump's actually running, um, it, it's just very similar to the sort of sound that a boiler makes, you know, because when because when a boiler kicks in, it makes a noise, um, and when a when a when a heat pump kicks in, it makes a noise. The benefit of an air source heat pump, in a way, is it's is it's outside, and if it's put in the right place, when it's when it's running, it's not actually running when you're outside. So. Um, so yeah, so most most of the uh, most of the technology these days has improved quite a lot, and you know you do you do get that as you say efficiency benefit. You know you've got a lot of knowledge, okay, yeah. and you've done a lot of research. Now government policy on on a on a macro level is um, it is it's, it's been very slow, 
and you've got and you you're right you've got different pressure groups haven't you you've got the lobbyists that come from the green lobby yeah. you've also got the lobbyists that come from the boiler manufacturers you've also got the lobbyists that come from the energy companies you've also got the influence of other countries the producers so you know, and you and you've mentioned russia so there's all these sort of lobby pressures that come in now from my point of view i believe that um that we need a we need a we need a mix. We need to decarbonize what we do, and we need to reduce our impact on the envi- on the environment. Yeah. Definitely. So when you talk about uh, the different technologies, the more localized you can make your um, your your energy production and yeah. consumption, the the more efficient it will be because you you don't lose heat transfer, for example. You don't lose heat on transfer, for example. You don't, and you don't you don't lose all those. There's none of those transmission losses, yeah. and, and you're using it nearest near enough to as near as possible to point of use. That's why I like I like heat pumps because they give a kind of an environmentally uh, friendly option uh, to people uh, which means that they can they can be more self-sufficient and that's one of the main things i like about it and they'll pay for themselves in 20 years well i mean you know if, if you think about it your, your your boiler your gas boiler and and or your oil boiler has been heavily subsidized for, for many many years uh, to, to get that to get that going and all, all of the incentives the government has put in to get people onto condensating boilers and all that sort of stuff you know there, there's been subsidies there's been eco grants there's been all those things for for gas boilers um in the same way that there has been for 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 heat pumps and um and so you know so and what you've got now is you've got one point six 1.8 million gas boilers if you like being sold in the uk and you've got about forty thousand heat pumps so 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 to so to bring to bring heat pumps up in that energy energy mix i think is a good thing i mean the core of our business actually is underfloor heating which is a low temperature heat emitter it uses the entire surface of the floor so it, it uses a it uses a big surface which means you can you can you can produce actually, heat at lower like temperatures actually like a storage radiator yeah 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 or you've got a big it's also it's a radiant heat so so actually the heat that is produced from underfloor heating attaches itself to the other objects in in the room uh, so that so that the whole the whole room in a way becomes more thermally charged which means yeah. that you produced heat only our kitchen is yeah 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 and so and so so, so it's a lower so you, so you, you, you you don't have to heat the water up quite so much, which again you get the efficiency uh, uh, f- from that, and and it and it sticks around for longer, and you can keep things at a more constant temperature. So you're not you're not firing things up and cranking it up to a hundred degrees C or whatever to then cool it down again, so it doesn't doesn't burn you while it goes through a radiator. But but because so so there's it's a, it's a more much more efficient way of doing it, and it's a nicer, more comfortable heat. So that's 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 the core of what we do, and yeah, heat pumps. Um, the te- the technology has, has moved on. I mean, okay, it's the very basic technology, heat exchanger, and all that sort of stuff. But but the but the way the way that they work now is far is far more efficient, and um, and it's far more. Um, you know, there's, there's much lower impact, if you like, from the point of view of things like noise and all that kind of thing now with the tech than there was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And Sweden is a country who, who who's got a lot of a lot of heat pumps, uh, and uh, and they, they get down to to minus fifteen there. So so and and they and their heat pumps still still work efficiently there because they are set up to work in that kind of kind of climate, and 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 that means that they 
they they work they work properly you know and uh, and they they work as efficiently so so um so yeah so the technology is improving and i definitely believe in local local solutions i know that the macro picture is very important and and you know the energy mix is key getting that balance right um and making our um yeah making our use of fossil fuels um as low impact as possible uh, whilst we make the transition to a sensible energy policy i think is 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 crucial mm-hmm. you talk about fracking mm-hmm. uh, one thing that i hear a lot of people talking about is the is the is it's almost like the visual aesthetic impact of of fracking you know and 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 the whole story is about laying waste to kind of hundreds of miles of 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 countryside and all that kind of thing that that's one, one thing that i've i've heard about because it's near the surface have you heard it's that rubbish. it's not true right it's okay well that's not true but that's what what, I, what you hear isn't it it's not true mm. it, it, it isn't true the, the footprint of it is 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 less than a wind farm right you know the land-based wind farm the, the footprint is is tiny you, mm. you only need you need half a football pitch yeah it's basically all you need and 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 it, and as I say, it is ubiquitous. And the, the, the shale, the, the, um, the shale we've got, I think the America's got three or, or even four big shale wheels. But, but the one we've got is as big as anything the Americans have got. Mm-hmm. It's in, in the Boland shale. It's, it's very, very big. And, um, right. If, if you talk about subsidence, I remember the M1, not now, but I remember the M1 when it was originally went past. Uh, Derbyshire, Nottinghamshire, um, you got subsidence, and the road went like that because the coal mine subsidence and mm. the mine settling because mm. eventually those pit props do decay and and the thing thing, and um, you got that. You you'll have nothing to that extent in fracking, and and the, and what they set up, the parameters they set up are ludicrous. Mm. They're ludicrous. So it's important, I think, for everybody to do to do their own research and to you know it's important not to believe everything you read, not to believe everything that you hear. And it's important to look at the alternative perspective because you know people are complaining about, for example, the subsidies on renewable energy. And uh people are definitely complaining about the way that the, the, the government is currently um you know, putting taxes up, but also wasting so much money at the same time. And um, so, you know, what what we need is we need a very, very clear line through all of this stuff. And the Committee on Climate Change uh, is, um, is, from my perspective, doing some good work in challenging government to uh, to, to to look at the, the bigger picture, but the community, the committee on climate change hasn't got all the information that it needs to make those recommendations and put those those um, policy um, uh, you know recommendations forward. Then then there's a gap there, isn't there? But it won't get the right information because there's people in the system who are who who are who are you who are totally intent on skewing the picture. Mm. And this is where I think that the whole thing about your personal responsibility and the whole thing about what you can do with your home and your own personal impact on 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 the environment because we need to look after the place that we live in 
uh, and make sure it's sustainable. So what you talked about waste, what you talked about, uh, you know, um, uh, recycling, re reusing, uh, re reducing the amount of energy that you use. Um, so you're not wasting water, you're not wasting power, you're not wasting heat. All of those things, they're things that we can do as individuals to make a difference. And because not everyone is destined to change the future of of, of global policy on energy or, or, or national policy on energy, but we all can do something. Um, and, and, and that's kind of what I'm interested in primarily really is 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 what we can do as individuals to reduce our own impact and to, to make the world a better place mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's, it's 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 highly complex but um it doesn't help when people have got ulterior motives to disrupt the system and those ulterior motives are to damage society mm. and to destroy capitalism Last thing then. So, why is Klopp such a good role model? Klopp, he, 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 the the, the manager now, the temporary manager, of Manchester United. Uh, they lost apparently last night, but he, he's he's turning around and he taught Klopp, and he also also taught taught uh, uh, City's manager, mm. right? And he is a, a great teacher. I watched Klopp, I watched the team training yesterday. It was the most joyous thing to see the Liverpool players training because they are all beautiful characters with beautiful attitudes, with happy, smiley, laughing um, attitudes to everything, with supreme fitness and a supreme bonding that is a credit to anybody. And I've never seen a football team like that. I've never seen it before. And it just goes on and on and on. And they are they are so exhilarated by improving their skills. So it's it's it's, it's very heartening. And he is an ideal role model because I'm I'm sure he could make a reasonable footballer out of a fellow with one leg. <laughs> <laughs> So look, a couple of closing questions then, because I, I don't want your your dog to get too impatient with you. Uh, so, um, so, <laughs> so, 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 who inspires you the most, and why? Um, the, the the as you came on, uh, the inspiration is anybody who asked me to talk, anybody who asked me to react, is that's the inspiration, and I'll re immediately react. <clears throat> um, and that's that's the inspiration because I just love. I love to know what people want and want to know and what, what their opinions are. And I am I feel totally at liberty to say, I think you're wrong there, and I think this might be right, or, or to say, say, good on you, because I think you're thinking in the right direction. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I love doing that. And I feel as an older person, as an elder statesman, <laughs> um, it's, it's virtually the only thing you can do. And people do want to know from older people, am I doing it the right way, you know? And I think so. <clears throat> But, but I, I, you know, in the kids, I love the kids. I love the way they behave today. You know, I, I think it's 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 wonderful. Um, <clears throat> and there's a lot of lot of hope for everybody. You know. Yeah, definitely brilliant. Okay, good. Thank you for that. And uh, and I suppose another question is then linked to that is because you say you're an old person. Now I would never suggest such a thing. But what's the most important lesson you've learned? Um. It, it's, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. The most important, they're, they're all important. 
Maths is so important to me, but humor, probably humor, is the most important. If you can smile at it, you know, is, is I mean, the first joke I thought of, it, it, honestly, I'm going to tell you this because I told this to Bakersfield. I said this was two weeks ago when it all started. And I said, the fellow came up to me in, in, the, in the car park and said, they've attacked my country. I said, you crying? He said, no, my eye is watering. And it's a terrible joke. It's just like <clears throat> a, a Jimmy Carr joke, you know. Um, but it's funny. Yeah. And humour humor will out. And I never mean any harm by jokes or humour. <clears throat> and that's the thing. So people, the, the thought police who say, oh, you can't do jokes on this, you can't do jokes on that. I think you're totally wrong. I think the jokes are the way you learn and understand the situation. Mm. You know, it's the joking about it helps you to reveal the horror, of the genuine horror of it, the genuine, you know, <clears throat> it's essential we have comedy. It's essential, you know. Um, I mean, right from the second, what's the thing I learned first in, it was featured in Dad's Army. Hitler has only got one ball, Goring has two, but very small. Himmler has something similar, and poor old Goebbels, there's no balls at all. <laughs> and I learned that as a toddler. Yeah. Tiny toddler, you know, yeah. it's fun and it, it, it punctures their pomposity, you see. Mm -hmm. and it's, it, yeah. It, well, so, so definitely humour is yeah. is is massively important and and i think i mean the danger with this podcast you know people with purpose is actually it becomes quite a serious topic sometimes you know what's the yeah. purpose of life the meaning of life all of that kind of thing but actually the purpose of your life can be very very simple it can be you know what you talked about which is about you know loving loving people you know, and, and approaching people from a position of of love to, to make a difference. It can be, you know, if people think about really hyper local things these days as well, don't they? So I know there's all this stuff going on in the world, but but you know, so doing something to help the local village hall or or, or the local youth centre or whatever it might be, and that becomes the purpose of their life. Yeah. And you know, and it changes and it evolves over time, but it doesn't have to be a big a big thing. And um, and I think that if you can bring uh, humour and bring compassion uh, and and bring you know the right sort of integrity uh, to these kind of things, then 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 you know, and if we can all bring that, then the world would be a much better place. I think so. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's been lovely talking to you. It really has, yeah. and um, I've enjoyed it very much. Good. Me too. Not sure whether edit it much or, or what. <clears throat> well, well, we'll wait and see, shall we? So, um, so yeah. So there's 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 plenty of good stuff in there, and it's been really really good to to get to know you uh, and get to know uh, you know all sides of you. I think. Is there anything that you'd like to end with? End on. Yeah, I think I've covered most things. I, I you know, I, no, I, I can't think of anything in particular. <clears throat> Brilliant. What about um? Say again, where, where you're where you're next on stage and the sort of things that you're doing oh, there? And um, so. the Palace Theatre, South End on Sea, yeah, on Easter Monday at two in the afternoon, and the show is very much a family audience. Teenagers who like maths will love it. Kids who don't like maths are surprised how much they enjoy the show. They love the show, mm. and everybody everybody loves it. And we've had crits. You get laughs from young and old alike, you know. And what's happened with COVID is the old ones haven't started 
started coming back yet. Mm. We're not getting the old ones as we did before, you know. Mm. So our audiences are a bit down. But that's the next one I've got because I'm waiting for us to get out of COVID and get back to the audience levels we had before. Mm. So I'm looking over this next few weeks to start marketing again. Uh, you know, we I've got a couple in September already, <clears throat> but I haven't booked in this area because the, the, the audiences haven't come back yet. You know, we've been to the cinema once, you know, in the last two years. Yeah. Or The Duke, which is a fabulous film. It's yeah. wonderful. <clears throat> and um, so, yeah. And so I, I'm waiting for people to come back because I still want to do this show. Um, um, and, and I still want to, and, and people do love it. People, it really, really works very well. I, I'm usually signing books for an hour after the show, um, and it, it's nice. And my books are, are, are really smashing. These, these two that I do for children, they've been renamed All About Number and All About Maths. Mm. And they're renamed. They've been out now for <clears throat> 13 years and 11 years. And they sell in China massive amounts 40 different languages and if anybody wants to understand maths beyond the curriculum get all about numbers if you're in primary and all about maths from about nine ten upwards <clears throat> and uh, and uh, i really feel they they do a lot of good for kids yeah uh, they sell very well still. Yeah, yeah. Well, quite right too. Well, I've still got so I've got my ball of confusion book, which again you signed for you signed for my my daughter uh, seven or eight years ago. It's not got the date on it, unfortunately, but it has got Wednesday the fourteenth of March. So it was this sort of time of year, um, yeah. and and it's got it's got Frankie's book written on it by Frankie and your your signature there as well. So so that right. and, and Frankie had a great time asking me questions from this and making me look like a <laughs> like, like 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 stupid because i hadn't listened to the question properly it, most of those puzzles some of them are complex but most of them we did on zoe's when did zoe did the saturday morning um show on bbc radio 2 mm. <clears throat> and i would do a puzzle <clears throat> and she never got the answer mm. but the reason was well very seldom the reason was we would record them in blocks of about 16 <clears throat> In an hour, we do them. So I would ask the question, pause, give her the answer. Hmm. So Zoe never had time to work them out. So she, she seemed to be the thicko. But that's how I ordered them. Yeah. And then they divided them up. Otherwise, I'd have been in the studio every week. Yeah. I didn't. I went once for 16 shows, you know, hmm. three times a year. <clears throat> but that's when I did them. And that's where I, and I wanted to kind of find pro, uh, show puzzles that I can do on the radio. And I found I could and did. And... Um, and uh, yeah, that's how that worked. Brilliant, great, uh, cool. Well, so thank you, thank you once again, Johnny Ball. You are you are you are a legend. It's been brilliant to talk to you. Um, so so South End on Sea, uh, we're Easter Monday weekend. In in the afternoon. Yeah. In the afternoon, brilliant. Well, well, we'll we'll stick that in the show notes as well, and we'll very, make. Yeah, very much a family, really a great family show. We'll make sure that this gets published before that before that event. So if anyone comes up to you and says. I, I heard about this on the People With Purpose po po podcast. Maybe you can give them a high five or something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, thanks ever so much, Johnny. Great pleasure. Great take to see care. you. Yep, take care. Bye. Bye now. Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, tell all your friends. 
And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People with Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye.